America, second to none, and we own the finish line. Don't forget it. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Come on. We're America. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, a guide to winning and losing money on the 2016 campaign using online prediction markets. Today's date is Friday, July 29th, 2016. This is the second of 17 episodes in our series. I'm David Reese, and I am joined by my childhood friend, John Kimball. Hi, John. Hi, David. Today, we're going to talk about the Democratic National Convention. We are going to summarize our profits and losses on the bets we made last week on the convention. We're going to answer some listener emails. I'm very excited about this. And we are going to talk about bets for next week as we enter the general election season. If you're joining us for the first time and you're confused about how predictit.org works, we have posted a primer episode. Look for episode zero in iTunes. It's also posted on electionprofitmakers.com. So to get started, let's talk about the Democratic National Convention, which concluded last night with too many balloons, I think. Really? I, it actually was less balloons than the Republicans had. I think it was 110,000 balloons. The Republicans had 125,000. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Ugh. This is why you're one of my greatest friends of all time, and you're in my personal <laughs> friendship hall of fame. Because I was going to make a joke like, hey, John, do you have any data on the balloons? You know what I mean? But you, you do, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's true. What is your mind like? I don't know. All right. I mean, everyone on the internet last night was talking about balloons and making jokes about balloons. It was so many balloons, it looked like a health hazard. And you're saying the Republicans had even more balloons than that? They did, but the Republican convention wasn't run well, so I don't think they dropped them all at once. Or or maybe you think that was good, the way they did it. The way I like to see balloons drop at conventions is one balloon every 30 seconds for all four days of the convention. Just like a steady, (laughs) relentless drip of balloons. And then by the last night, people realize the floor is actually filled with balloons and nobody can breathe. And they've all been suffocated. Did the Republican? I don't remember the balloon. I don't remember that this year's Republican balloon drop. It started a variety of balloons. Yeah, they had a, you know, a variety of balloons. I don't think they had a variety of sizes like the Democrats did. Well, as long as we're talking about varieties of balloons, there is one thing I want to go on the record as saying, which is that those perfectly spherical dark blue balloons with white stars last night mm-hmm. were that was one of the sickest balloons. That's got to be like a $10 balloon. That balloon looked so freaking expensive. I couldn't believe they were just letting them fall to the floor and getting batted around by ex-presidents. <laughs> and what were your overall impressions and thoughts about the Democratic convention? I thought it was great. Besides the balloons. Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, you know, other than the dead-end Bernie supporters trying to mess everything up. You know, Michelle and Barack Obama gave incredible speeches and Biden killed it. And I thought Hillary killed it last night, too. I know everyone likes to rip on Hillary and say that she didn't smile enough or she seems fake. She's not a great orator, but I thought she did really, really well last night. I I have to agree. She I was impressed. I thought it was a pretty good speech. And I thought when she came after Trump, I was loving it because she's going to get so far under his skin and inside his head. She's mm-hmm. going to be like, <laughs> like, forget about redecorating the Oval Office. She's putting up new kinds of curtains inside Donald Trump's head, and it's going to drive him bananas. 
So I was, I was very much in favor of that. Okay, now let's get to the truly important matter at hand. How did our portfolios do vis-a-vis -vis the Democratic National Convention? Last week, John, you and I made some bets about the convention. Do you want to tell us about those bets? Yeah. Well, we, we bet that Clinton would not say Black Lives Matter in her nomination speech or and that she would not say Trump University. And she didn't say either of those. So I, I won uh, $61 on the Black Lives <sighs> Matter and 40 on Trump U. Yeah, I bought 100 shares of, of both. And what were they trading at when you bought them? What was Black Lives Matter trading at when you bought No? 39 cents. And Trump University was trading at 60 cents. So I made $101. I made about $3.20. Here's what I did. And I haven't told you guys this yet. I haven't even told Starly. Oh, wait a Yesterday, minute. Yesterday. Oh, wait a minute. Yes. Okay. No, you, you go. You go. But I still want to talk some more after this. No, you're done talking. I'm going to talk for the rest of the podcast. Okay. Here's what I did yesterday without telling you or Starly. I panicked and I sold mm. all my shares of Black Lives Matter. I sold my no shares. I started to think she was going to mention Black Lives Matter. So mm. I sold them for 70 cents. I had two shares. So I made $1.33 on Black Lives Matter. So... <laughs> That might be the most cynical and pathetic statement ever made. I made a dollar thirty-three cents <laughs> on Black Lives Matter. Uh, I am fully engaged with the civic health of my nation. Okay, and then Trump University paid out a dollar per share for me. That added up to two dollars. So after Predictit.org took their fee, I got a dollar ninety-three. So Good. I think for the first, I think for the first time, I made more than. <laughs> $3 in one day on predicted.org. So I'm probably probably about ready to enter the predicted.org Hall of Fame for being uh, for the High Roller Award. Good job, David. But I also made $303 on uh, Kane being picked, which happened Friday afternoon, I believe. So, right. I mean, that was, that seems like ages ago, right? And then I put a ton of that into... Trump versus Clinton polling, and I bought a bunch of no shares in bracket five, which was the bracket that would have Trump ahead because that's always a safe bracket. And I just wasn't thinking about the polling bounce, the election, uh, the convention bounce. John, you always got to remember the convention bounce. I know. I blew it. I blew it. And by the time I recognized what was happening, I was really, really underwater, and I ended really? up— Really? Yeah, I, I lost $150 in there. Oh! Yeah, it was bad. You still made a thousand times more money than I'll ever make on this. I did make money on one other contract, and it wasn't a lot of money. Oh, my God. It, it, it wasn't a lot of money. It was just—it was $30, but it was one of these where it was a quick riding the wave type situation, which you love, Mr. Wave Rider. <laughs> Um, it's not Mr. Wave Rider. It's just Wave Rider. Man. Okay. Not, all right. I'm, Which, not some, yeah. I'm not wearing some suit, man. You know, I'm in my board shorts. Well, I rode the wave this week when I was tipped off by a listener on Twitter, Apple Guy Snake. His 
name is Apple Guy Snake? Yeah. Well, it's actually his name is Steve, but his username is is at Apple Guy Snake. And there was a report, a rumor that Debbie Wasserman Schultz was going to be stepping down and not preside over the end of the Dem convention. But I'd forgotten that there was a contract, and he alerted me to the contract, which had been out there for months, which was, will Debbie Wasserman Schultz remain head of the DNC through the end of July? So I quickly jumped in and bought no, and I bought no at 3.05 p.m., I bought 100 shares at 48 cents, and sold 40 minutes later for 84 cents. Made about $33 right there. So that was the most exciting thing. You should publicly thank that listener right now. Well, I, I would like to, to, to thank D at Apple Guy Snake for tipping me off to that. I, w- I would just, once in my life, I would like someone to tip me off about something. But David, I, I, I did. I tipped you off. As soon as I got the tip, I sent no, it to I you. I appreciate that. I know. I appreciate that. And you're a good friend. And when you have good information to share with me, you always blow up my phone with a series of hectoring texts telling me to make some easy money. And soon I will have the wherewithal and the self-confidence to act on the tips that you are constantly texting me. So I appreciate you in advance and I thank you in advance. You're because welcome. I'm all about riding waves now. If anyone has any tips on any waves, you need to hook me up. Contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Subject line, wave rider. Hot tip. Enjoy. <laughs> Hashtag board shorts. Let's move along now. Yeah, I'm ready. What are, what are we moving on to? Damn, you're, you're on fire. Last week, we solicited questions uh, from our listeners, and we're very happy and flattered that so many of you wrote in with questions, and we're going to address some of them now. And as always, if you have comments, suggestions, corrections, or questions, you can always send them to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Our first question comes from Simon S., who's a German physicist living in the Netherlands. I'm going to read the question. You're going to answer the question, okay? Okay. Simon asks... Is it a good idea to bet on an outcome you really dislike, even if you think it's improbable? For example, if you bet a lot of money on Trump becoming president, then it wouldn't feel as bad if it really happened. This question gets to the heart of what we're doing, right? Absolutely. And, and I can answer this question, definitely. Every March here in the U.S., Simon, we have something called March Madness. Oh, my God. Where we fill out our brackets. Okay, I just, can I, but now that I know that's what's happening, I'll just tell everybody, you will hear me again in four and a half hours. John Kimball is about to discuss March Madness. I'm going to go see three movies back to back. No. So we have March Madness, and we fill out our brackets for the NCAA college basketball tournament, and people form these betting pools with their friends and colleagues at work, and they bet on the outcomes. It's, it's a lot of fun. So being a diehard Carolina fan... I always want the Tar Heels to win and our arch rivals Duke to flame out to some no name like Mercer or or Lehigh. And though that does happen a lot, Duke also tends to win a lot. So here's the thing. In the years that Duke is particularly good and UNC is not, I will use this what I call psychological hedging and pick Duke to win. So see, that way, if they do win, I get compensated for my pain and suffering. And if Duke doesn't win, I lose my money, but it it doesn't matter because Duke lost, so I still win. Even when you lose, you win. That's the best possible situation to be in. That's right. So it's definitely an effective tactic for avoiding pain. So yes, my answer is yes. Betting on Trump to win is not a bad strategy to use to lessen the pain if he does. 
by the way, he's not going to win, so don't do that. You really think there's? You really think he's not going to win? He's not. Even with that data you told me about the balloons. Yes, even even with the data about the balloons. Now I would like to address Simon. For me, the only reason to do this podcast is to build up a barrier of data and money to prevent me from becoming heartbroken at the state of the world. And I think that I am actually, well, you know what? I'm not sure I'm comfortable saying this yet. Simon, I'm going to talk to you on a later episode of the podcast. I'm still doing some deep thinking about what is and is not appropriate to bet on and what is and is not an appropriate psychological hedge. John, we have another question from Simon. Simon is one of the greatest question askers in election profit makers history. Are you ready? Yes. The question is, do you know how much money overall is being bet on predictit.org? Okay, so for this, I, I had to reach out to predict it. And how psyched am I that they actually got back to me? Brandy I can't Tra- believe, I am so stoked, and I'm going to say this in, in my outdoor voice, I am so stoked that we wrote to predictit.org, we reached out to predictit.org, one of the most shadowy and powerful and elite websites <laughs> in the entire world of finance and politics, and... They acknowledged us and they responded to our query. We are already changing this game. Wave Rider and High Roller are in the building. So Brandy Travis is the chief marketing officer, and she was a very prompt in her reply. And David, I'm, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but she actually said, she said we were doing a great job. Quote, Woo! Are you guys... Serious? Yes, she quote it. I mean, she said, "quote You guys are doing a great job." So we're on their radar. Oh, yeah, that's the good news. I wish I could drop Starley's microphone. The bad news is she was not able to answer our question. Yeah, she said they for legal reasons they can't disclose dollar amounts. We'll sue them. We'll sue it out of them. I have three ninety five available. We can hire a lawyer and we can sue Predictit.org. Well, we got to be careful because they have our money. But here's, oh, here's the thing. They, there are about 50,000 users using Predictit. So depending on what the average you know, user has in there, you could imagine how much money is being traded. It's not a huge amount. It's not nearly as much as being traded on Betfair in the UK or the old in-trade. We should also acknowledge it's probably less money than the US stock market has at play, right? <laughs> probably. Does the stock market have a billion dollars in it? I truly, I mean, I truly do not, I have no idea. Does it? I mean, is that like a no-brainer? The stock market definitely has a billion dollars in it. All right, let's move on to our next question. This question is from Brian C. (laughs) This is a great question. Uh, So if you've never listened to our episode zero, our explainer episode, at one point in the episode, John says there's a lot of good intel in the uh, comment section of this website. So Brian C. writes to ask, is there actually good intel in the comments section, like John said? I've tried reading them, and it mostly seems like people saying how dumb the people who bought differently than them are. <laughs> I'm going to go down on the record as agreeing with Brian. I'm not the one who answers questions. Okay. I'm just here to ride waves. John, is there actually good intel on the predictit.org comments section? Yes. First, thanks for your question, Brian. I wanted to say that. So yes, I know David thinks it's ridiculous that I find good info in the comments, but it's true. If you spend time curating a follower list, then you can, you can find good people. I used to keep notes on who was right or wrong when I started, 
I would bookmark people's profiles and then go back and click on them to see what they were talking about. That actually helped me learn a lot. Wait a minute. Can somebody click on my profile and see my investment history? No, no, no. But somebody oh. could, 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 someone, if you're commenting, somebody can click on your, your. They can see everything you've ever said. Correct. But how do you know they're smart? Just because if, if you can't look at their but you, portfolio, you, it takes how do you know if they're making or losing money? Because they will make recommendations and then those recommendations will come true. They'll say, yeah, you guys are idiots. B1 is going to win this week and I'm telling you why. And then B1 does win. And then next week. Okay. But let's also reassure our listeners that in addition to the smart people who are providing good intel, there are also plenty of stone cold idiots. Way, yes, way, way, way more idiots than smart people. Yes. One, one of my favorite comments was from last week. It was in the, the contract, will Donald Trump make multiple appearances at the RNC? We, we know now that he did, but back then we had no idea except for the schedule, which only had him listed once. It had him listed speaking on Thursday. How, however, there was one guy who was convinced that he was not listed just once because on the Tuesday schedule, Donald Trump, comma, Jr., was listed to speak. That's Donald Trump's son. That's right. Donald Trump Jr. Yeah, but that's that's not really how this guy saw it. Um, he said, look at the list. It says Donald Trump, comma, Jr., implying that it's Donald Trump and Jr. that will be speaking on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Someone says, uh, no, that's not him. He's... he's <laughs> He, he said, if it was Donald, if it was Donald Trump Jr. only speaking, it would say Donald Trump Jr., not Donald Trump, comma, Jr. You think that guy doesn't know how Jr. works? No, because I've seen that guy say other stupid stuff. The, the most ridiculous thing is there were actually people on here saying, yeah, I see the comma now, too. He may, he may have actually been convincing folks. John, we've been talking about placing a bet not just week by week, but a long-term bet, right? That's right. And I think there's one bet that's calling to us for personal reasons. Yes, that contract is which party will win North Carolina in the 2016 presidential election? What state did we meet in? North Carolina. What state did we play in our secret band in? North Carolina. What state has our favorite college basketball team? North Carolina. What state is blessed with acres and acres of life-giving tobacco? North Carolina. What state has the best peanuts? North Carolina. I think Virginia might think that they do, though. Well, they're wrong. It's North Carolina. Shout out to Aunt Ruby's Peanuts, the best peanuts. A lifestyle and a rush like no other Aunt Ruby's Peanuts. Uh, And what state do you live in? North Carolina. And what state will I be in next week in your house to record a special mano imano edition of Election Profit Makers? North Carolina. So if you go into the, will a Democratic candidate win North Carolina in the 2016 presidential election? It, it's trading at 51 cents right now for yes. And what is it trading at for Republican? It's trading at 51 cents for the Republican as well. 
this contract is incredible. They're both trade. This is exactly, this is a coin flip right now. That's what they think, yes. John, give us a brief reminder uh, about North Carolina and presidential elections over the past couple of elections. Well, you know, I'm I'm not sure that people recognize the extent of the liberal progressive democratic organization in North Carolina, whether it's Moral Mondays or the grassroots groups that have been mobilized in the wake of the GOP takeover here. I think people forget that North Carolina put Obama over the top in the primaries in 2008 as well. Now, Obama lost North Carolina in 2012, but that was simply a result of the entire nation shifting further to the right. And because North Carolina was the closest state, it caused it to flip. But North Carolina was one of the very few states that actually shifted to the left in 2012 in terms of partisan voting index. Over the years to watch North Carolina become slightly more progressive, even though now the state government is run by a bunch of maniacs, has been very rewarding and uh, fulfilling to me. But I am really bummed out about the people running the state these days. Well, hopefully we're gonna get we're gonna get Pat McCrory out. Okay. So I think Hillary is gonna win North Carolina. You know, this election is gonna be decided in the huge suburban counties across the nation. You know, you look at Bucks County, Pennsylvania, outside Philly or Fairfax, Virginia. In North Carolina, those counties are Wake and Mecklenburg. Both of those are over a million. You think Hillary Clinton can win Mecklenburg County? Oh yeah, she'll she'll absolutely win Mecklenburg County. And Wake County? And Wake County. And I know she's going to crush Orange County. Let's see. Obama carried Wake County by 10 points in 2012. He won Mecklenburg by 23 points, Durham County by 53 points, and Orange County by 40, 42 points. But in those counties, it's, it's the suburban counties where Trump is not doing really well. You know, the lots of high-income, moderate college and postgraduate educated whites is where he's really struggling. And that fits Wake County to a T. Uh, Wake County is, is, is very similar to Fairfax in that way. And actually yesterday, the NRCC chair, Tom Davis, uh, the National Republican Congressional Committee chair, he said yesterday that he believed that Trump would lose Fairfax County by 170,000 votes this time. And that's 50% off from 2012. And Dave Wasserman, who is from the Cook Political Report, and also I think he does something with 538, he, he responded on Twitter saying that he believed it would be more, more than 200,000 that Trump would lose Fairfax County. So if you were to, to take those numbers to Wake County and you know extrapolate to Wake County, where Obama won by 54,000 votes in, in 2012 and say Hillary wins this time by 108,000 votes, that's a net of 54,000 votes. And Romney only won North Carolina by 97. So Wake alone just halves that. You add in Mecklenburg and Durham and Orange and to a lesser extent, Guilford and Forsyth. And I think she wins North Carolina by two points. I really thought it was going to be a toss up, but you went so deep on Mecklenburg County. I think Hillary's going to crush him now. Yeah, that is kind of crushing. So that, that's what Romney won by, and he won by almost 100,000. Hi, this is David interrupting the podcast to leave you this voice memo on my telephone. We just wanted to let you know that this conversation about North Carolina was recorded just a couple hours before a federal appeals court struck down that state's restrictive and racist voting laws. John texted us as soon as the court made its decision to let us know. 
John, I'm doing it. I love North Carolina, and when, when it went blue for Obama in 2008, I cried. I'm buying two shares at 51 cents that the Democratic candidate will win North Carolina in the presidential election. Submitting my offer. And I'm going in and buying 200 shares. I'm going to buy yes at the, at the asking price. I don't even care that I'm going to pay 51 cents. I'm convinced. So we grew up in Chapel Hill in Orange County, which is a home of the Research Triangle, which is a very progressive uh, environment relative to North Carolina. Our high school history teacher always called Chapel Hill a pad of butter and a sea of grits. And Jesse Helms once uh, suggested that they just build a wall around Chapel Hill. So John and I, starting in eighth grade, were in a band together with two of our other friends, but the band was a secret, and I forbade them from ever discussing it with anybody or revealing the name of the band or the titles to any of our songs. And because it was a secret and we still honor the code of silence about this band, I can't really talk about the songs that we wrote about George H.W. Bush and Jesse Helms. I'll just say that if Bush had heard this song, he would have resigned immediately because it was so intense and so truthful and so heavy. He would have been like, these boys are right. I am a fascist and I need to I need to go home. Didn't we have we had songs about Reagan, didn't we? I'm sure we had songs about Reagan. We had songs about everything. I mean, we you would make up song when we would just press record and be like, all right, new song. Go, John, start singing. <laughs> Do you remember when you sang a song about Rick Pitino? What? No, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember that. But, you know, we did have a small amount of songs, so... Uh, yeah, we had about 2,000 songs by the end. We had a song about how far away Baltimore was from Chapel Hill. <laughs> the stuff you sang about was so incredible. <laughs> because you didn't care about music. You cared about basketball and regional infrastructure development. <laughs> And almanac data. And so that's what you would sing about, you know, just go with what you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was so much fun. It was so crazy. And I want to say for the record that, John, you are still the greatest rock singer I've ever heard. You were a really, really good rock singer. Thanks, man. Are you playing in a band these days? No, no, I'm, I'm not, not these days, no. But you're still pretty invested in the music scene, right? Definitely. I have a lot of uh, songs on iTunes. <laughs> this is my favorite fact about John. John, how many songs do you have on your iTunes account? None. <laughs> Perfection achieved. iTunes zero. John, the conventions are over and that makes me sad because I love balloons, but even more, I love betting on speeches and whether words are gonna be in speeches. But it looks like going forward, when I look at the new markets on predicted.org, they're mostly about uh, polling averages and fundraising numbers, and it feels like a lot more uh, data-driven than just whether or not somebody's gonna say something. So next week, we had talked about betting on some fundraising uh, results that are come out. Clinton and Trump's July fundraising numbers. And when I go to do that, I see that rather than being a simple yes-no question, we have all these brackets, right? That's correct. Uh, essentially, the, the market is what will Trump's monthly fundraising be for July. And within the market, there are five separate brackets, which are five separate contracts with different options to bet on for the dollar amount that Trump 
will raise for July. And you can bet on one of them or you can bet on on all of them. You know, in this particular one, uh, bracket one or, or B1, as is, is, is we refer to it, is Trump raises 40 million or more. So if you think Trump is going to raise 40 million or more, you should buy into bracket one. And, and bracket two is Trump raises 35 million to 39 million. Nine hundred ninety-nine thousand, and so, so yeah, and it goes all the way down to bracket five is Trump raises below twenty-five million. Basically, brackets are a lot of fun, and they're the next level of intensity on the predicted.org lifestyle, right? Yes. The way I would put it, so that my listeners understand, is why ride one wave when you can ride five <laughs> waves? You know what I mean, right? It's a rush like no other. Brackets. Mm-hmm. Let's make our bets for next week. We're going to bet on Trump's July fundraising numbers and Clinton's July fundraising numbers. And I want to give a personal shout out to the last time I paid attention to Donald Trump's fundraising numbers, because that was one of the most intense and fun documents of all time when it came out that he only had a million (laughs) dollars in cash and they had spent more money on hats than on data management. And I will always remember and treasure that FEC filing. So thank you, Donald Trump, for teaching me that all things are possible and madness is real. Okay, so what will Trump's monthly fundraising be for July? Which of these brackets are looking good to you, John? I have no idea. I don't know anything about the fundraising at all. I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm going to have to Perfect. To, to get on there and, and you know copy what the sharks are doing. Well, we have to place at least one bet for the purposes of dramatic tension. Okay, so for... for Hillary's monthly fundraising for July, I'm going to buy yes in B1 and B2, and I'm going to buy no in 3, 4, and 5. I'm going to bet, these numbers are all so huge, below $25 million. Looks like nobody thinks that's going to come to pass. He will definitely raise more than $25 million because no shares are already trading at $0.97, cents, which means you're not going to make much. The one that looks like the hot mover is $35 million to 39. Nine 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 nine. Just basically yeah. from thirty-five million to forty million. That one looks tempting. That's up five cents. That's looking good to me. A yes share for twenty-nine cents. I'm going to. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. I'm going to do it. I feel like that's how. Oh wait, no. Now I'm scared. Oh, you know what? I'll buy one in each. I'll. I'll. I'll hedge my bets. All right. Here's what I'm doing, John. I'm buying one share that Trump's monthly fundraising for July will be between $35 million and $40 million. I'm submitting my offer, and it is done. I am the proud owner of one share at $0.29. Cents. Next up, $40 million or more. Big money. This is B1, the top bracket. Yes, shares are falling. I don't care. I'll ride a wave backwards. You can only make $50 minus the 10% if it's bracket one. Okay, so $50 minus five is $45. So you'll make $45 and then you'll lose 29 on the other. So 45 minus 29 is 16. So yeah, you'll make $16 if bracket one wins. How do I make $16? Wait, $16? You understand I bought one share, right? Oh, okay. I was thinking you bought a hundred shares. Okay, so you'll make John, six. You'll make sixteen. John, you, sorry, 
That's how I do it. But you'll, okay, so you'll make 16 cents. Congratulations. Were you being condescending just then? No, no, that's great. So I am up for the week, and it feels really good to say that. I don't think I've ever been up before. As long as I've been enjoying the predicted.org lifestyle, feel the rush, there's nothing like it, predicted.org. <laughs> but for the election, I am down $25 from my original $30 investment. I I'm, am up $265 on the week, and I am up about 1800 since first starting. Next week, we will be looking at those fundraising numbers, hoping to make money. We will have uh, our eye on the North Carolina prospects, the polling, to make sure that we've made the right bet by hoping that Hillary Clinton wins North Carolina. Speaking of North Carolina, next week, I will be in North Carolina. John and I will be in the same room talking about, I think maybe next week we should talk about negative risk. What do you think? Uh, I think that's a good idea. I think you should explain negative risk to me. That'll be a good six-hour episode. So until next week, remember, you can always write us at contact at electionprofitmakers.com. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. You can comment and rate. We always look forward to reading your feedback. Um, And I think that's it. Is that it, John? Yep, I think that's everything. I want to say one thing. Since the conventions are over, this time I really mean it. Stay off the internet and away from the TV this weekend. Go outside and breathe deeply and do your stretches. Do your sun salutations, okay? Because things are going to get really crazy and ugly. So we need to soak up any positive, healthy, uh, uh, I don't know how to finish that sentence. Just eat cereal and stay hydrated. Goodbye. We'll see you next week. Electionprofitmakers.com. Catch the rush. Ride the wave. Bye, everyone. And goodbye to you, John. Bye, David. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week, David. John, it's going to be nice to see you face to face. I feel like one time when I came to visit, you had all this luncheon meat in the fridge, and we had these amazing sandwiches. I just wanted to know if we could do that. But we'll talk about that later. Goodbye. The only thing that I remember about sandwiches when we were kids was the one time that we were making some film at your house. Uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what it was about, but I was getting my guts ripped open. So we used sandwich meat. Oh, it was about... Um you were a space miner and you were on a remote location and an alien attacked you and ripped ripped your entrails out and we used uh, probably lunch meat. It was probably from Harris Teeter. Yeah, I definitely remember that. We are America, second to none, and we own the finish line. Don't forget it. God bless you all and may God protect our troops.